Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Today we're going to be talking about friend of God. Friend of God. I was telling them in the first service that to relate better with my children, I always ask them, who their friends are. So sometimes I ask them, I say, who's your best friend? And you say, Jesus. Some other times they can just mention maybe Peppa Pig, Cinderella. <laughs> sometimes they mention friends from school. And then many times the younger one will mention her teacher. She'll be like, Mrs. A is my best friend. And it's really cute because she loves her teacher. But I saw her teacher a few days ago, and I was almost too sure that if I asked her teacher, name 10 of your best friends, she will not name my daughter. And it's not because she doesn't love her. It's just that there are some people who consider you their friends. But it's not like you're trying to look down on them. You just don't consider them your friends. Because if you are stuck, she's not going to call a two-year-old. Even me as their mother, if I need something, I'm not going to ask a little child to do it for me. So there is an intimacy, but there's also a responsibility in friendship. Do you understand that? There's a responsibility in friendship. So we can see that God is a friend of everyone. Jesus was a friend to tax collectors, to sinners. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. The love of God is overwhelming. The same way our children didn't choose to be born, that's the same way Christ was the one that took the initiative on our behalf and begat us onto a lively hope. So we're all friends of God. We can say, God is my friend. But how many of us can God call his own friends? I know that you can reveal your deepest, darkest secrets, intimacies, desires to God. But can he reveal his own to you? I know that you can call him when you are in trouble and when you need something. But if God needed to call two people to help him with something, will he call you? You know, I was checking on Instagram. See, Ronaldo has like two whole countries following him, like 268 million followers. At the time he was following five people, now he's increased daily to 474 people. There are some people that you can say, oh, this person is my friend. But can they say the same about you? I remember a young man, my mom had been trying to follow up for a while. He didn't really have so many people in his life, kept on getting into trouble. And there were a series of times when they would call my mom. And one time they called my mother. He said, this guy is in jail. And he says, you are, he's your son. <laughs> my mom was like, no, I'm just someone that helps him. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. So God loves everyone. So much that he died for us. So much. But even for God, friendship is an exclusive list. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you as much as the next person. It doesn't mean that he can't do anything for you. There are people that you can do anything for, but they can't do anything for you. I can do anything for my kids. But at this level of their lives, there isn't that maturity, responsibility, understanding or intimacy for them to do anything for me. Do you understand that? Praise the name of the Lord. And so when we want to define friendships in our everyday lives, we talk about shared values. What is important to me is important to this person because this person is my friend. We talk about shared bodies. In other words, my friend might need a kidney and I happen to be a match. It's not a big deal that I'm going to offer my friend a kidney. Sometimes it's not, maybe not even something as big as that. Sometimes your friend is so in love about to make a mistake. 
You don't just let them be. There's a reason why you talk and talk and talk to people and then you say, ha, ah, a word is enough for the wise. Then you continue talking because that relationship matters so much to you. So even in our everyday lives, our friendships are on an exclusive list. And guess what? It's the same with God. You see, God and love are synonymous. God is love. It, it, nobody's going to see God and love in the same thing and be so shocked. But when you say that God is your friend, that in itself is an oxymoron. Praise the name of the Lord. When you say that the creator of the heavens and the earth, why would... It would be different if we all know that there's one God. But imagine for a second, God, who is your best friend. Now, because he's the only God, he can't call another immortal person as his best friend. So, God is asked to name his friends and he begins to call humans. What does an immortal God have in relation to a mortal man? We can understand a man needing the friendship of God. But why would God need the friendship of a man? It can make sense to us that God will require worship from a man and require sacrifice. But for God to desire friendship and so in the eyes of any average person, he's an oxymoron. God needs friends. God needs friends. It's like saying, this is a deafening silence. It's an oxymoron like when you say God is the lion and the lamb at the same time. Or one that you understand, like when you say honest politician. Honest politician in the same sentence. But God desires friendship. He desires friendship. The same way you want to be vulnerable with God, he also wants to be vulnerable with you. The same way when all your friends and family abandon you, you have someone to call. God also, God also desires to have somebody to call. He also desires to have someone to trust and someone to rely on. He desires that somebody will share his values and share his burdens. And so God doesn't mind having so many children. He died as one, rose as many. He's adopted us. That's his choice. He loves that we are his children. And guess what? We did nothing to deserve being his children. But friendship, friendship requires a greater commitment on your part. Friendship, friendship requires that as much as possible, you try to be as invested in the relationship as God is. Friendship demands that the same way you are vulnerable with God. You can carry your burdens to God in prayer. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You feel so broken. You go to, you go to the place of prayer. You come back better. You are stronger. You are better equipped. When God has a burden on his heart, can he look forward to your prayer time as much as you look forward to it when you have a burden on your heart? God desires friendship. That a man will be called a friend by God might be an oxymoron, but it's a desire that your father has. Praise the name of Jesus. And so as we look through scriptures, there are two people that God specifically called friends. In Isaiah 41 verse 8, please open your Bibles. Isaiah 41 verse 8. 
It says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my what? My friend. My friend. He called Abraham his friend. Think about that for a moment. God loves to have children. But there's something pastor said from the moment I started following him several years ago, and he still says now. He says, babies are the responsibility of the kingdom, but sons are responsible for the kingdom. Some of you firstborns know what I'm talking about here. When you were the only child, your parents, you may not even remember that time because you were just a baby. They will feed you. They will clothe you. All you had to do was to cry and look cute for pictures. And then when you go, say, can I take him home? Ah. But the older you grew, and your parents began to have more children, the more you realize that, before you know, you were making Indomie. Next thing, you are bathing someone. Before you know, you are washing plates. You know how you used to struggle to wash plates when it was not yet your time? You carry stool. Then you grow older and you realize, I should have waited. I really should have, like, first of all, plate washing is overrated when you're a child. But God desires to share his burdens with people. There are some things your parents tell you now to help with, to assist with. There are some ways they confide in you now. That if they confided in you when you were a child, it would be like child abuse. But now you are older, so there is a friendship dimension to it. And it's not a one-way street, it's a two-way thing. So God called Abraham his friend. We're going to see why. God also called Moses his friend. In Exodus 33, verse 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Wow. So he had that access, he had that relationship. He had that responsibility. He felt the burden almost the same way God felt it. So how does God choose his friends? You know, when you're going to school, they'll always tell you, hey, hey, go and look for the most brilliant girl in your class. Make sure you're a friend, though. You say yes. What your parents didn't tell you is that the most brilliant girl in class, she was also choosing, she has to also choose you back. She also has a criteria for choosing. Note, this has nothing to do with your eternal salvation. God doesn't want you to go about your life doubting. So does God love me? Does he not love me? Am I worthy? Am I not worthy? He's proven it to you by his blood. Now let's get down to business. Praise the name of Jesus. And so regarding these two men... First of all, we see that God discussed his plans with them. He discussed his plans regarding his people with them. Moses knew the plans of God. So there was a level of intimation. The second thing, so that's what all I referred to earlier as shared, shared values. They wanted the same thing. They wanted what God wanted. The second thing, shared burden. They played an intercessory role in the formation of that plan. I'm going to explain. But remember what I said, that babies are the responsibility of the kingdom, but sons are what? Sons are responsible for the kingdom. Hallelujah. And so if we look at Abraham, a little backstory. A guy named Lot was blessed because his distant relative Abraham was blessed. But they kind of got into an argument. And so Abraham calls Lot and he says, just look around and pick the choicest land you like. Pick what you like and go with your people. And Lot picks the green grass. What did you know that there was a green snake under the green grass? <laughs> so Lot picks the choices of lands. He's not led by the spirit of God, so he doesn't know that Sodom and Gomorrah is, is going to be destroyed. And it's a sinful place. And see what God says in Genesis 18, from verse 17. Then the Lord said, 
Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? As I read this, my desire is, Daddy, I want you to speak concerning me like this. If God doesn't hide from you what he's about to do, what are you going to do about it? Lord, show me, show me. The ones he has shown you, what have you done with it? And so he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And so he tells him. And then Abraham approached him in 23 and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And Abraham shows us that it's like there's some Nigerian blood in him because he begins to negotiate. Like the way you price when you go to the market. What if there are 50 people in the city? Will you sweep it away and not spare? Won't you spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? And this is where the shared values and the shared burden comes. He says, far be it from you to do such a thing. Why? Because I know you. I know what you stand for. I know your plan. I know your hearts. I know what's important to you. Far be it from you that you're going to destroy the righteous with the wicked. He says, far be it from you. He says, will not the judge of the earth do right? You know when your friends are misery and you remind them who they are? Say, are you? Yeah, great, Ghana. You can't do that. That's how Abraham spoke to the Lord. And God listened. So he said, okay, I will, I will spare. For the sake of 50 hours, I will spare. I don't know which kind of preaching Lot was preaching in that place. How can you be in a place, you, your wife, two daughters, you cannot, even if you will win one and a half, one and a half soul, that's ten, Abby. But anyway, Abraham priced it to ten. And they were not ten righteous men. I, I kind of believe that if he went lower, God would have listened. Because even in the midst of all that, we see God making efforts to reach the righteous ones and save them. When you pray, are you praying to a God that you know? And what I mean by that is, the things you are telling God, are they in alignment with his already existing plan? You know, some people can come and meet you and they're asking you for something. You're like, you don't know me. Oh. Because if you knew me, you wouldn't ask me for this. Or if you knew me, you won't spend all your time asking me for this. I know that you have needs in your life, but let me shock you. God has needs as well. Needs so dear to him that he came in human form and died on the cross, became a man. To see that need fulfilled for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus. You are not a friend if what is important to your friend is not important to you. Praise the name of Jesus. And so we see that. We see that in the life of Abraham. I know that you and your family are safe. Abraham, you are not in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot misbehaved, maybe even deserve to be destroyed. Abraham is like, God, this is not you. What about your plan? Far be it from you. And then we see Moses. In Exodus 32, these guys had seen miracles and wonders and the literal sound of many waters in an aquarium, side by side. And they get into the wilderness. Moses goes up. You have to understand, they were in slavery for... Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of, of, of years, rather. Moses went up for a few days. As he was coming down, it was already here in drum. Like, the stress it even takes to make, to melt gold. is not better. Like, you guys have been walking through. You have been walking for days. Why don't you rest? Why are you always looking for something to worship? And Moses is pissed. God is angry too. And God says to Moses, like, 
something Moses already knew. He said, these people, I've seen these people, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now, leave me alone. Oh God, friendship. God is telling Moses, see, just leave me. You know how sometimes your friend wants to fight? You're like, see. Although some of them, they just they want you to hold them because they can't fight. But, but God can do it. He's like, see, leave me alone. Don't, don't beg me. Let my anger be kindled against these people. That I may destroy them. And then God brings in a beautiful twist. He says, then I will make of you a great nation. Moses. You have to understand that Moses had an opportunity here. When you look through the genealogy of Christ, you realize that Jesus came from Judah, not from, the, not from Levi. And Moses was of the sons of Levi. Moses had an opportunity to say, who am I that you are mindful of me? That did do it and take the glory. You will now use scriptures to back it up. The stones that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. I will make of you. And he doesn't accept it. Why? Because he knows God. He knows that God is someone that keeps his promise. He knows how important God's promise to Abraham was. So a friend of God is reminding God of his promise made to another friend. When you are in a position where you need to choose between what's best for you, what's best for your family, what's best for the posterity of your generation, and between what's best for God. And when it seems like God himself is even in a vulnerable position, what will you choose? And Moses sought favor from the Lord. He had favor from the Lord for himself, but he was seeking it for others. He said, why should your anger burn against your people? And he begins to remind God, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. God, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that you brought them out to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off from the face of the earth? He says, turn from your first anger. Like, God, God, calm down. Repent, relent. Don't bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And in 14, it says that the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the desire that he had threatened. Isn't that beautiful? See, let me tell you something. God needs friends. Your friendship with God will demand something from you. Your only contribution to salvation was the sin you committed. What's preserving you and keeping you until the last day is still not your power. It's by grace. Time for you to do something. Offer friendship. It will cost you. It will stretch you beyond yourself. But intimacy, intimacy with God to the point where he can intimate things to you, where there is, he can tell you the things that are most important to him, where you can share his values, share his vision, share his burden. What desires it of you? Praise the name of Jesus. And so these two men had something in common, intimation, intercession. In this month of consecration, we must rise above pettiness to partnership. Rise above pettiness to partnership. <laughs> you see, I, I, I was telling them in the first service that I once worked in a company where they used to pay us like your salary four months after. So like May, they'll be paying us for like January. Don't ask me how much, please. Thank God for Jesus Christ and favor. <laughs> and the willingness to resign when your time is up. But if you are just a regular employee of that company, 
They, they were treating you bad. You can make up your mind that you don't want to walk again. You get up and you what? Go. But when it's your father's company, the stakes are higher. When you are a partner, the risks are different. Whatever touches the company touches you. Employees can gather together and say, this is our boss is wicked. But when is your friend that owns the company? It changes things. The risk is greater. The commitment is greater. The rewards are higher. But even when you can't see the rewards, can you be a friend to God that sticks closer than a brother? I know Jesus is your friend. My sister has always said Jesus is their best friend. Glory to God. When he's calling his own friends to be honest to God, will he call you? This is not a call to condemnation. This is a call to step up. Now is the time to follow after the one who pursued you with everything. Now is the time to carry the cross of the one who went to the cross for you. Now is the time to partner in ministry with the one who single-handedly sorted out your salvation. Praise the name of the Lord. And so Paul is preaching on partnership. Do you know God wants to count on you? 2 Corinthians 6 from verse 1. The Apostle Paul understood his partnership with God in the spread of the gospel. Sorry, I think I will take um, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 first. It says, for, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And now it says, okay, yes, I'm correct. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, hallelujah. And now it says, we are workers together with God. So we beg you, don't let the grace that you receive from God be for nothing. You were bought with a price so that you yourself can pay price. God wants to walk with you. He needs to walk with you. The king of all the earth cannot be ambassador at the same time. That's why he has you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise the name of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6 says, as God's partners, I really like that. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. As a partner of God, what initiative are you taking on God's behalf? Do you discern the responsibilities that the new birth places on you? A child wants their school fees to be paid. They want to be healthy. They want to watch TV. But when you grow older, there's more expected of you. The reason why an ambassador doesn't have to worry about his citizenship is so that he can lead others to be citizens as well. And so in his quest for partnership, the Holy Ghost inspires Apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, he calls you an ambassador. He calls you an ambassador. From verse 15, he says... Therefore, he said, he died for all. The little of us who live no longer live for ourselves, but for he who died for us and rose again. That's the purpose of your life, to live for Christ. I know they've told you, you are the most important person on the earth. Just do you, as long as you're happy. Queen, king, already. But your life is supposed to be lived in surrender to a greater king. 
He died for you so that you can live his life. See something. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And many times we interpret this to mean the things I used to do, I do them no more. But that's not all. He's saying that you have new desires now. You have new priorities now. He's saying that if I look at the way you spend your time, at the decisions you make, at the way you spend your money, at where your heart is at, I should know for a fact that Christ died for you and rose again. And he says, now all things are of God, in verse 18, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. Are you happy that he reconciled you? You're no longer an enemy of God. But he doesn't stop there. He says he has given you the ministry of reconciliation. It's something we read very fast. But you also understand, the very first part that says, God has reconciled us unto himself. In that short phrase, is filled years and years of prophecies. In that phrase, is filled the blood of prophets. In that phrase, we see the intentionality of God to convey his love to a dying world. In that phrase, we see the blood of Jesus. It's a simple thing to say that he reconciled us to himself. But it took thousands of years, hundreds of prophecies, several deaths to get to the point where he reconciled us to himself. And so the intentionality with which we take the first part, we must take the intentionality to the second part. It says, he's given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So in a sense, we continue from where Christ stopped. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. And in a sense, he was finished. But your high priest is seated so that you can run. Your high priest is seated so that you can run. It is finished so that you can continue. You are not going to die for the sins of the whole world. Jesus has done that. You are not going to be the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Jesus has done that. But if you do not tell it, it doesn't matter. You know how difficult it is when you work for something. Some of you run businesses. You work for something. You spend your life. Maybe you spend. You maybe you make bags or you make clothes, or you make custom jewelry, and you spend weeks, hours, days working on it. Then you give a delivery man. You are feeling me, Abby? You give a delivery guy. And in your mind, you have rested. In your mind, you said it is finished. God help you if it's the wrong kind of delivery guy you gave. It will not matter how much work you have put into it. Because if it's not properly delivered, the person will never get it. So when you get here, and you hear that it's been given unto you the ministry of reconciliation, you need to pause and breathe because it's a lot. It means that all that Christ did on the cross for the billions of people all over the world has been handed to your trust. You can't be careless. For every person you keep malice with, that's one less person you can preach to. For every person you are a bad example to, that's one less person you can disciple. The reason why you spend time in prayer is not because you are worried about losing your salvation. Ambassadors are not worried about that. But they understand that their goal in the home, in the, in the resident country is to serve the interests of their home country. So if, the, if I remember years ago when, when we didn't really, really know much about Canada at the, at the time. But they realized that the way their population was going, even if they doubled their birth rates, they were going to have more older people 
and they wouldn't have enough people to work on the economy. Was it 30 or 35 or 50 years? So they began to go to French and English-speaking nations to talk about conscripting people. So if you're the Canadian ambassador, you don't say, ah, you don't want to come, Jare. I want to sleep. I'm busy. Busy doing what? You have a job. You don't say they are not coming to me. They are not asking me. There's something Pastor Paul in the Abuja church said. He said, it, 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 the norm is that we go to people, not that they come to us. The norm is that we go to people. What's our message? We are beseeching them in Christ's stead. We are begging them. We are pleading with them. With the same seriousness as he went on the cross. With the same commitment that he took him to say, let this cup pass over me, but nevertheless not my will, but yours. With that same commitment, we are begging people, be reconciled to God. Like the ambassadors, we are making educational programs, entertaining programs. We are creating relations that make sure that we don't alienate ourselves from these people we have been sent to. And then we are beseeching them in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. So we may not understand their language, but if they speak Spanish, we'll tell them, reconcilios con Dios. It's important that we learn their language. That we understand. See, you've not come to a life that determines that you are passive. And then if it happens, you will tell people. Ambassadors don't do that. They're not like, ah, I'm just chilling in this home country. Oh, my dear, women are fine. Oh, my like, I like their food. Ah, it's like I will settle here. Settle where? Your home country is better. And the reason why we know it's better is because you are conscripting people. Home. I'm a citizen. I can make you one. K1 visa, K2 visa, K3 visa, different ways. I want you to come. Praise the name of the Lord. So don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. God needs your partnership. God desires your partnership. God is not looking for Jonah who will run away because the sins of the people are too great than the love that their God has for them. He's looking for Moses who will lead the people to the Red Sea put his rod there and part it and lead them across. That's who God is looking for. Years ago, pastor said something I'll never forget. He said, God, everything you have asked me to do, I've done. And he said, if you ask me to do anything else, you better be sure you want it done. Praise the name of the Lord. Ambassador, what are you going to do? You have to understand that your God is a rewarder. He will look after you. God rewards his friends. So he goes to meet Solomon, I think in Second um, Chronicles 1, I'm not too sure. And he says, just ask me for anything. Let's assume he didn't have Solomon's example. And God appears to you in the middle of the night. On a day where sun has beat you, your landlord has harassed you. The girl you wanted to say yes to you has said no for the fourth time. That business has crashed. And he says, ask one thing. Ha. Can I put it like three in one? But Solomon says, I want wisdom to lead your people. And God is like, me. It is possible to impress God. Understand, he's not impressed by your work so that you can be saved. We've passed that. But it's possible to impress him in a way that you do things that move him. And he says, in blessing, I will bless you. Bible says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So the very things that religious people are looking for is pursuing a man of intimacy. I know you want God to bless what you are doing. But how about you go about doing what God wants? That's already blessed. Praise the name of the Lord. This is a call to consecration. God first. God first. Yesterday, as I was praying, there's something I, I wrote. 
I am whatever the assignment requires me to be. Some of you say, I can't enter bus. And God is leading you to preach in the bus. I can't talk to them. They are toxic. You want to preach to a dying world and you are shocked that people are toxic. I can't do this. You are whatever your friend requires you to be. Some of you know what I'm talking about. For the sake of your friend, you have been a doctor, a banker. You are the one treating them when they are sick, holding their money for them. Weight loss coach. Some of you, your friends don't eat, so weight gain coach. Welcome to my WhatsApp group. But because your friend desires something, Sometimes your friend may not even like what you have to say, but you're like, see, you can, if you like it, you're on the wall. You cannot date that guy. Praise the name of the Lord. So consecration, intimation. What is the Lord saying about the nation? What is the Lord saying about his people? Intercession. So we use intercession for prayer a lot. But at the basic level, intercession means to speak to someone on another person's behalf. So in prayer, you are presenting people to God. But in relationships, you are representing God before people. Do you understand that? Intercession, action. You have a game plan for your job. You have a game plan for your education. Some of you have a plan for your enjoyment. How much more was most important to God? As I wrap up, I want to talk about the man, Peter. The bread of life had died on the cross, said it is finished, and he rose again. And he appears to this guy, Peter, who has betrayed him, but finally has that moment to have a heart-to-heart connection. So he tells you that God is not even for people who have been perfect all their lives, not only for people who have been perfect all their Christian work. And he asked him a question, Peter, do you love me? And he's not asking Peter, do you love me, so that Peter can question his salvation. He's not asking Peter, do you love me, so that Peter can say, ha, okay, I, I repent of my sins, I'm going to heaven in Jesus, I'm going to heaven in Jesus, because it's, mm. he's asking him for a much deeper reason. So he asked him the first time, do you love me? Do you love me the second time? God is asking you this morning. He asked him the third time. Do you love me? And many of us are going to respond like Peter. God, you know all things. You know I love you. I talk about it all the time in worship. And Jesus says, if you love me, feed my lamb. Feed my lamb because it's important to them, to me, that they grow. But now I cannot both be savior and preacher at the same time. I cannot both be the bread of life and the person serving the bread at the same time. I cannot both be king and ambassador at the same time. That's why I need my friends. That's why I need my partners. Peter looks at John and says, what about John? And Jesus is like, what is it to you? Don't worry about him. I have a call on your life. I know they've anointed you in your service unit. Christians have hurt you. Yes, yes, this and that. But you are a son. You are a friend. You are an ambassador. You're not a baby. God needs you. I know you've been asking God, what can I do for you? Today, he's placing a demand on your friendship. Rise to your feet. He's placing a demand on your friendship. And so today, I want you to talk to God and say, Lord, if you're going to call your friends, I want you to call me. Daddy, I want to be there for you. I know I can trust you to be there for me. Can you talk to the Lord in prayer? I know I can trust you to be there for me, but I want to be there for you. I want your heartbeat to be my heartbeat. I want to carry my work as an ambassador on my head, in my spirit, in my thoughts, in my decisions, in my actions, in my prayer, 
in my finances, in my relationships. I don't take it for granted that you've asked me to beseech others in your stead. And so from today, the motto of my life is, be ye reconciled to God. In this moment, it's just you and him. It's just you and him. Can you talk to him? Daddy, I've got stuff I want to do for you. I want to support you. I want to be a friend to you. I don't want to live for myself. I don't just want to be secure alone in my salvation. I want to ensure the security of others. I'm glad I'm saved, but I want to ensure the salvation of others. I'm glad that I can rest in your friendship for me, Lord. But I want you to be able to rest in my friendship for you. In my commitment to you. I say bye to babyhood. I turn my eyes upon you, Jesus. I say yes. Talk to Jesus today. I turn my eyes upon you. I say yes, yes to your way. I'm going to be as interested in my relationship with you as you are in your relationship with me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, it was Dr. Mount Moro of Blessed Memory that said, when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. You have to understand God's purpose for his church. There's a reason he calls us body of Christ. And we are not to remember that only when it's time for welfare programs or, and things like that. But it should give us a sense of equal responsibility that the same way every part of a body has a part to play. It says that the whole body is fitly joined together by that which every joint supplies. Meaning, I must be a supplying joint. They're going to pray that prayer very simple. They're going to say, Father, today I recognize my, my, my responsibility as a part of your move, as a part of your work. In the mighty name of Jesus, just pray that prayer. I recognize my opportunity, my responsibility, so you can talk to me. You can count on me. And if you can use anything, if you can use anyone, walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. Picture Isaiah in that throne room. And then to hear the Almighty himself has a request. People only picture having a prayer request in the throne room. But that day God had a request. And he was asking who will go for me? Who do I send? In the place of prayer, God must have requests of you also. He must be able to place demands on you. Places to go and things to do. Things to give. Sacrifices to be made. That's how to grow. And you say, Lord, it begins today. It begins now. I'm a doer of your word. I'm a doer of your word. That as I pray, I listen for your voice. Such a voice has said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. I am not just asking you to walk in my life. I'm ready to descend the work that you have for me. The work that you will have me do. That I can begin to like Jesus say, My father walketh, he that or I walk. I want to be a co-laborer. Walking together in your vineyard. For the fame of your name. 
and for the propagation of your message. For me to live is Christ. Let that be the summary of my passion. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Listen, God is raising an army in us. Let me tell you something. Many great movements have just one face at the epicenter. Imagine what our church would be if every one of us was healing the sick. Every one of us was effective in evangelical ministry. Every one of us had a sense and a consciousness of ambassadorial responsibility. We will shake the world. Let me tell you something. I've told you this before. Jesus told 11 people, go into all the world and teach all nations. And he, he, he was not saying something that was not feasible. So if we are so many and not as effective, it's because we don't have the right mentality. If you live here with the same sense of responsibility as Jesus, Jesus did it, I must tell it. That's my part in the reconciliation plan. We will shake this world. I mean, just look at such a powerful sermon, you know. And that's one thing this ministry will be known for. Many times, I've told you, I've hinted you before, I'm stepping into the full context of my ministry. So I'm going to be moving around a lot more. And to think that I can be around and such a powerful sermon will be preached. It says a lot about the plan that God has for us. Hallelujah. So for the first time as of people who are getting to know this ministry, I'm enlisting you into an army. One of the signs that you have been um, assimilated into this ministry is a growing sense of responsibility. So we must be seeing your own participation, even if it is on your page on social media. Don't just post fine clothes. Share the word of God. Are you listening to me? Make sure your captions are not always petty. You know, share the word of God. Encourage someone. Listen, there are people in your sphere of influence that you will reach better than your pastor. That's a fact. And God is counting on you. So he's asking, who, who, who will I send? In your vicinity, in your office, who will I send? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.